This is a Groupfinity Podcast, episode number 47. Welcome to the Groupfinity Show, a podcast for leaders of volunteer organizations. We take the guesswork out of what works so you can focus on your mission, accomplish more, and get rid of administrative madness. And now, your host, who knows you are the 20% who does 80% of the work, Anthony Wilson. Welcome to the Groupfinity Podcast, no matter where you are and whenever you may be listening. Welcome back, Groupfinity Nation. Today, I'm speaking with Jess Campbell from Out in the Boons. Jess has superpowers building meaningful relationships that then turn into donor relationships. And today, Jess shares her outreach method with a 100% response rate that allows her clients to develop new and authentic relationships with potential donors. The key takeaways from my discussion with Jess are, number one, the follow-up game is the most important part of fundraising. Number two, tailored messages are more effective than mass emails. Number three, sending short messages of value can deepen a relationship. And number four, research says people have capacity for about 150 relationships. When you remove friends, family, and coworkers, that leaves about 75 to 90. Be sure to stick around to the end to hear Jess's learnings from the pandemic. I'll be back at the end to wrap it up. Here's Jess. Hi, thanks for having me, Anthony. Oh, Jess. Hey, I'm so glad that you are here. Uh, you are a self-proclaimed fundraiser, friend maker, and relationship builder, and I just absolutely love that title. We should have more people with those titles in the world. Thank you. <laughs> so you created your company out in the boons to help fundraisers gain more confidence to raise more money and create greater impact for their organizations. And today we're going to focus on um, what you call making the first move in fundraising. And you have a method that is proven to have a 100% response rate. And why don't we just start there? Because I just can't wait to hear what this yeah, method is. So over my five years of running my company, the number one question I always get asked is just, how do I find new donors? And really there's two ways. Donors can find you, which is, you know, blasting on social media, practicing SEO, all the things that people can find you and your work or you can go out and get them. And we've all been across emails, social media platforms where you get that really icky message in your inbox where you just know someone's trying to sell you something. And it just puts a bad taste in your mouth. It sets the wrong tone off from the beginning. And I think fundraisers already have a bad rap or people are really uncomfortable asking for money. And so the effort to go into a new relationship with authenticity is paramount. And so, yeah, I have this method that I have practiced. It, to date, has a 100% response rate. And thus, I've started teaching it to my fellow fundraisers so that they can make real relationships that potentially lead to friendships and ultimately donations down the line. So what's the first step? What do we do? So in my experience at a nonprofit, everyone has some sort of dream list of people that they want brought into their community. A lot of times it can be celebrities or famous people, but a lot of times it's just, you know, a local lawyer or someone on a committee or a parent at a school and they're not quite yet involved, but you want them to be right. We all have this dream list but you maybe don't have an actual connection to the person. And so what I've discovered is doing this couple of steps, which I'm going to just share with you. So if you're listening and grab a piece of paper, take some notes. The first step is to 
consume a piece of content. The world we live in, people are everywhere. So this could be an article from an alumni newsletter. This can be a post they wrote on LinkedIn. This could be a podcast episode you heard them speak on. This could be a speech they gave at some sort of event. Whatever it is, consume the piece of content from start to finish. 100% the entire thing. Next, what I want you to do is I want you to go find that person on specifically LinkedIn, Instagram, or maybe even Facebook, whichever is your platform of choice and maybe their platform of choice. I specifically do not want you to go to an email. And the reason why is because on my phone currently, I have over 2,500 unread emails, but I have zero messages on social media that are unread. I read my messages, my direct messages. And so that's why I want you to use the direct message strategy. And then I want you to send a note that is specific, uses gratitude, and if you can, flattery. And I want you to give a message that looks something like this. You know, hey, Anthony, I heard you on X, Y, and Z podcast, and I just want to let you know that I really enjoyed the point you made about A, B, and C. And the reason why that was so helpful is because of X, Y, and Z. And you're new to my world. I'm so great to know, you know, it's so great to know you. And I just really wanted to appreciate you for your insights, your information, your education, whatever the thing is. That is it. There is no ask. There is no follow-up. You just wait. In my experience, this is a very quick and as mentioned, 100% turnaround. I just did this the other day with a very high-profile nonprofit executive director who was on a podcast talking about his origin story, which related to his beginnings as a child, where he was a caretaker for a parent who had experienced a carbon monoxide leak. The day I happened to listen to that podcast, I was working away at my desk and my carbon monoxide alarms went off. And so what did I do? I thought, oh, that's weird. I'll switch them. You know, they're old. They last 10 years. It's probably time. I switched it. They went off again. So because of that, I took my dog. I ran outside. I did what Google told me to do, which was call 911. And then they sent the fire people and, you know, the red truck was here, all the things. Turned out to be fine. But because of his podcast and then all the information, I took action. So I messaged him about it. And I just said, hey, I just want you to know that I was listening to your podcast episode with so-and-so. And because of that, I did this thing. And he wrote me back right away and was like, I'm so glad you took that seriously. And from there, it's your lead in to then the next step, right? So if you were a nonprofit or you're a school and you make a connection with someone the first back and forth bits of conversation should be, you know, surface level, nothing too deep, but maybe then based on their response, they give you an opening, right? Like, oh, well, hey, you know, would you ever want to grab a coffee? Or maybe we could like take this over a Zoom meeting or, you know, we're doing this thing. It's free. I don't know if you're free Thursday night. Do you want to come? And then thus the relationship builds, but its foundation is authenticity, how am I doing? That's great. 
No, that's great. I love that story. I love how you brought it home to your own personal experience. And I really love your formula of be specific, show gratitude, and show uh, flattery. And so as you were saying that, one thing came to mind. And that is if I'm, let's say I'm doing uh, outreach for a PTO, PTA public school, or, or even like a private school, or an alumni association. Mm-hmm. In that first note, where I'm following your formula, would I draw any kind of relationship between the organization that we share or do I sort of ignore that until a later date? I think people love a good commonality, right? So I think it's more Mm -hmm. about keeping the focus on the content. What did you get out of the content? And if you happen to weave in like, my husband's a ginormous Duke fan. And from what I understand about Duke mm-hmm. basketball, you either love it or hate it. So if this person also went to Duke and you're talking about the Duke Alumni Association, like, heck yeah, bring that up. Um, you know, yeah. and you can just even be kind of cute about it when you do your sign off, you know, like from a, from a fellow alumni of XYZ school mm-hmm. or whatever, and just really like mm-hmm. tie that all together. Cause then they're going to be like, Oh wow. Yeah. Not only have they been smart enough to make the connection, but they were just so gracious and flattering and specific about all the things. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you come up with this and then share with me sort of how it worked when you did it the first time? Were you surprised that it worked as well as it did? Um, or were you like, Oh, this might be a fluke. I, I need to try this a couple more times. I mean, I I think I just kind of came up with it by crafting a message, by putting myself in the seat of the receiver of the message. I'm the -hmm. recipient Mm -hmm. of a lot of these kind of icky salesy messages, people trying to just kind of squirm their way in. And part of me wants to have a real teachable moment where I'm like, you know, if you just went with this, you would be so much more effective. But, you know, I can't spend my time teaching everyone. And so I just crafted a message that I would want to receive and I just started mm-hmm. doing them. And then they started having mm-hmm. not just a 100% response rate, but a quick response rate. And so then I'm like, well, if I can do it, I can teach this to other people. And then thus more people have been getting this really great response rate. And it's like, especially in fundraising, people are so strapped with time that if you're going to spend the effort, you know, let's do something that works. Yeah. It makes it sounds like such common sense when you say it, but but I imagine you might come across this. Like people just won't put it into action for a variety of mm-hmm. reasons. So do you have a story where you told someone to do this? And like, well, I don't know. But then they did it and then it worked. And then they were like, oh my God, Jess, I should have been doing this. Forever. Yes, actually. I was today <laughs> teaching a network of nonprofits. There was 22 chapters on this call. And I was talking about this very one-to-one, very specific in many ways, unscalable outreach effort, right? And this one executive director got on and he was, you know, like, you know, Jess, um, I'm always trying to be my most efficient. You know, can I do this to more of a mass group? Like, can I send a mass message or like a mass text or a mass? And I said, you can, totally. But it rings way different when you're like, hey, everybody, versus Hey, Anthony, how are you doing? I noticed your son just played in this game, or I noticed that you're a part of this alumni association, or I noticed you were on this podcast, or I read this article about you. When something is tailored and specific, people feel very seen. And that's all we want, right? And so I would just counter back that, yes, 
you can do something in the masses that is vague and unspecific, and you might get a very low return on investment, or you can do something that is going to be a little bit more time and a little bit more effort, but it will yield results. And so you just have to choose um, where you want to put your energy. And um, I would obviously argue for the latter. Right. So you hit a couple keywords I hear people talk about all the time, right? So, so time, effort, and then we talk about being tailored and specific, right? And, and so what you just said, I hear a lot, like I need to do something that I can do in mass. But I think we, we intuitively know that, yeah, if you sit there and write that personal note, you will probably get a much better return on investment, right? So, so if someone, um, and, and I know there's no sort of one size fits all, but if you were to recommend this strategy to someone, sort of how much time would you say someone should spend on this? I mean, is it like an hour a day, two hours a week, you know, just to get yeah. started? I think that in fundraising, it's really, really, really important to get some wins under your belt, to get some momentum. Mm-hmm. And, and when you get those responses, when you get those positive reactions, you will feel the results of that success and want to do it more. I'm a big fan, although sometimes executed better or worse in practice of batching my time. So rather than just doing something for 20 minutes, you know, maybe spend an hour sending five of these messages or 10 of these messages and just boom, 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 get them done in kind of a focused way Versus just, I'm going to send one off here one day and then a couple other the next day. I think if you really sit down and focus and just cross that to-do list item off, you will then receive the responses, feel the results, feel the success, and then it will just build. I totally agree with you. I, I am a believer in batching your time, too. So, sort of tactically, someone should sort of think about sitting down maybe an afternoon and kind of researching your database, finding, because first you have to go online and find the content the person's written, and then you have to craft the message, and you have to send the message. I mean, each one could take 30-ish minutes. In your coaching, is there any sort of formula for, okay, if I do this, you know, X amount of hours per week, it would yield this kind of return over time? It's really hard to predict that only because a lot of these exchanges, while yes, they receive a hundred percent response rate, that doesn't necessarily mean that that mm-hmm. turns into a relationship, right? Got so it. Got, what, got it. So yeah. let me ask you this. Let, let me ask you this because I think when you said that, I thought, okay, here might this might be a better way to ask you, right? Because right, it's not going to, it's not going to, or it'd be hard to equate that mm-hmm. to dollars. But I think when you started responding to me, I think you said it exactly right, right? It, that that it, will, it will achieve a response because you're saying that we will get a 100% response rate, okay? And then the next step after the response rate would be, um, would be a potential relationship, mm-hmm. right? So, so if I do it, I should expect an, an, a response. Then what's the likelihood in so your experience that would turn into a relationship or is that too hard to measure? That would depend on your ability and tracking system to play the follow-up game where mm-hmm. I think a lot of nonprofit fundraisers and leaders don't put as much energy into. They focus on acquisition. They focus on, mm-hmm. on the ask and, and really – 
it's a it's a follow-up game like that is the game yeah. and so if you can have touch points in place that there's a my friend julie she's an amazing major gifts officer for a very large nonprofit that raises like tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars a year and you'll ask her what is her cadence for following up and she will follow up until they say no and that might be at first mm. like once every 10 days or two weeks and then that stretches to three months or seven months but they do not come off of her list they do not come out of her grasp until they're officially like yeah. no and even then she might take that as like not right now so I think it's your ability to just, again, always play the loop back game. You know, what is relevant? So yeah. let's say you send that message out to someone from, let's just use the Alumni Association example. Maybe your college basketball team makes it to the Final Four. Maybe you just send that person a message out of, out of the blue and you're like, oh my gosh, like, did you check that out? You know, just bring it back to something, again, really casual mm-hmm. but common, or maybe something, some research came out of that school, or maybe something tragic came out of that school, or whatever. I'm just using this one example, but you just always have to kind of do the loop back until you get an opportunity to really stick your foot in the door and say, you know, hey, there's a whole bunch of us from Da 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 Association getting together next Thursday. Like, would you want to come? Would you want to be my guest? Mm-hmm. You know, you just got to find those little opportunities when they present themselves. Right. And I'm so happy that you went into the follow-up, right? Because I completely with you. That's where we fall down on the follow-up, right? Like it's sort of easy to send that first message. And if they ignore it, well, I'm just not going to deal with them anymore. Or if they respond, oh, great, they responded. But then we don't do anything after that. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's sort of focus on the follow-up here for a moment. And you and you you touched on this briefly, but let's dig into that. Like, what you know, if if I'm practically trying to craft my follow up strategy, right? And you just said, oh yeah, well I could find some, you know research or article or team you know from our university one, um, but you know what if I sort of don't have those touch points? Am I looking into that person's social media um, to see like in their social media page to see kind of what they care about and, and see if there are common touch points there? Um, am I sending sort of articles? Hey, I thought you might be interested in this. Um, and kind of, and then what is, what is a frequency that's not mm. annoying? I guess <laughs> I think anytime you're providing value, you're not being annoying. Mm-hmm. So it could be yeah. just random. Maybe you read a really cool book that, you know, they would maybe enjoy, you know, send it to them. Or, I mean, I do this all the time. I have a dog that is, um, very high needs very heavy and requires at least two walks a day. And so I listen to podcasts uh-huh. while I walk him. And yeah. so I will just catch something on my podcast from one episode and I will text it to a friend, a person I'll say, start up minute eight. There's this really great point. I think you'd get a lot out of it. Boom. It's off. Mm-hmm. And so I think you, that is a story people tell themselves. I'm annoying. I'm annoying by following up. I'm mm-hmm. annoying when really they're probably thinking, oh, they're actually helpful for following up. Thank you for that reminder. And so I think we have to change our mindsets around that. I think in terms of cadence or how much distance between the thing, you know, if you're like every other day sending them something, that that feels a little bit more like hounding a person. Um, but I think that if, again, you lead with value and you give a proper distance and they're responding to you, it's one thing if you're sending quality information and they're just kind of ghosting you that might be your cue to move on cut the rope 
Um, but if they're replying back, oh yeah, let me share this article I read with you, or oh, I thought about this for you, or I've had people, you know, surprise me in my mailbox with just random things because they just thought of me out of the blue, and that like just makes me feel so special and as I mentioned, seen and heard. So, um, you know, we're all smart enough to kind of know the cadence and part of it's practice. Yeah. You got to read people, emotional intelligence, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I love your comment lead with value. I think that that is so that that is a good lesson for all of us. Um, do, how do you track this? Do you have like a spreadsheet? Do you have a CRM system? What do you, what do you do to kind of track what you're doing and your follow-up and your cadence? Yeah. So when I was an in-house fundraiser, we had CRM and system and tools. Um, so hopefully people listening have something like that, but there's nothing wrong with a good old fashioned Google sheet. If that's what works for you, I think simple is better. Um, I would also say one thing that people tend to forget, there's research out there that says every human has the capacity to have true and authentic relationships with around 150 people total. So if you take away your friends, your family, your coworkers, it probably leaves somewhere in like the 75 to 90 relationships. And so I would really counter people who are trying to have these real quote unquote relationships with hundreds, if not thousands of people, you're just not going to do that well. Um, And so I would say if your list of these outreach effort relationships with new people is getting really, really, really long, it might be time to consider bringing in some outside resources, volunteers, helpers to kind of spread the wealth. Hey, Chess, did the pandemic bring anything to light to you that you didn't know or surprised you about fundraising? Yes, I was surprised at how fast and quickly nonprofits were willing to back off and back away when there was need. Something early, early on, one of my best friends texted me, not related to nonprofits, just in general for business. She said, the people that stop selling, the people that stop asking are the people that their businesses will die off. And one of the things that I think nonprofit fundraisers and leaders really need to practice is getting out of the pockets of our donors. Because frankly, people made a killing in this pandemic financially. Some people have had their best financial years ever. Not everyone. And so that's why it's important to listen and ask questions. But I was really surprised at how people just shut down, stopped asking instead of pushing forward, telling stories, communicating need. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people that did that had really, really, really negative results because donors were not sitting at home, you know, wondering, well, why aren't they asking me for money? They were just not getting asked for money and then thus they weren't raising money. Hey, Jess, this has been great so far. I just have a couple more questions for you. So how did you get into this? Sort of take me on your journey. Oh, I was in college. I went to school in Boulder and I had some free time in my schedule and someone recommended a nonprofit to me. I had no idea. I was literally walking into the very first training of the nonprofit. It was a super startup. 
that led to me becoming the first paid employee of this nonprofit. And it just set me off on my journey. I started off on the program side and then switched to fundraising. And I haven't ever looked back since. I love telling stories. I love building relationships. And I love powering causes that are important to me. And then what made you start your own business? Yes. So that was a function of having my now six-year-old. I had a total unexpected reaction to motherhood. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to be just so ready to leave this kid. I'm going to want to go have adult conversations. And then I just didn't. And so even though I worked for the most supportive nonprofit in LA, I used to start my days with coffee meetings and end them with dinner meetings. And that just that lifestyle, that schedule wasn't going to work with now having a child. I just really needed a more flexible schedule. And so I spent the first two years of my consultancy working one-on-one with nonprofits, doing fundraising for them. And then I was working with an LA executive director who was raising money, asking me fundraising 101 questions. And I just thought, oh my gosh, this man has been doing this all on his own. He must feel like he's off on an island or out in the boons, which is how I got the name of my company. And I just never, ever want a nonprofit fundraiser to feel that way. And so that's when I kind of pivoted my business to teaching the masses. Oh, that's an awesome story. Thanks for sharing. So people want to find you, Jess. How, how can they yes. find you? Thank you for asking, Anthony. I like to play on Instagram. My handle is out in the boons underscore. I try and show up on LinkedIn and even TikTok every once in a while. You can also go to my website, which is outintheboons.me. And yeah, practice your sliding into my DMs. I would love to hear from you. <laughs> Awesome, Jess. Hey, thank you so much for your time. My today. pleasure. Thanks for having me. I love Jess's 100% response rate method. In fact, I'm going to try it on a fundraising campaign I'm about to start. She gave us some great actionable advice we can put into action immediately. There are a ton of resources on her website. I encourage you to go there and check them out. I could have links to her website and resources in the show notes of this episode. To make sure you don't miss out on anything, go over to groupfinity.com and join the community by clicking subscribe. Also, go to wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe to the show, and please be sure to leave a rating and review. Until next episode, this is Anthony Wilson. Stay safe and be the leader that everyone wants to follow. Thanks for listening to the Groupfinity Podcast. For more information about the show, to leave comments, and connect with the host, head over to www.groupfinity.com.